providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining us. Before we talk business here, I want to rewind the clock back to your childhood. What was it like growing up in Orange, Texas, and how did that impact you uh, as far as business in your adulthood? Well, it was the center of my world for many years, and frankly, it provided me with a good home. I would say that uh, it provided me with the values and ideals uh, that I learned as a child in that community, which serve as a cornerstone for the way in which I and our team competes in business today. So in that very way, those values and ideals were built in my personal home and around people that I knew. And I came to understand what I believe would be successful ideals by which to run a business or run anything, to be honest with you. Yeah. What was it that spurred you to leave what's a relatively small community there and seek the career that you have sought and the success you've had, what was it that motivated you to to leave Orange? Well, I was the youngest of my children. My dad was a doctor. He had gone and had a medical degree. Uh, my brother at the time was a student at Yale Law School. And so our family was, uh, there was no doubt that we were expected to perform my parents thought they were pretty smart and they thought we probably should do something pretty similar to what they were able to accomplish in their life. And obviously that was impossible from the town in which I lived. And so what I wanted to do after I got my education was my business. But the fact I was going to go and leave Orange was, that was understood. And that's uh, obviously in the middle of you know, the oil industry there, right? I mean, you're on the Gulf Coast. You got Houston uh, going one way and New Orleans going the other. And that's a big part of, of the economy there. And yet you chose to do something besides that. I know a lot of people down there get into the oil industry because that's what dominates, but you went another direction. Well, I really did. Actually, the companies, it's not just oil like West Texas. It's more what I would call petrochemical. And the Employers in my hometown were like DuPont, Goodyear, Goodrich, all of the uh, larger companies and processors, and they process things like nylon, all the various derivatives that DuPont things things better from living. They, the out of oil, they produced a, a number of different products. It wasn't refining, and it wasn't drilling oil. It was petrochemical products that were produced. Uh, by the plants in my hometown. So you decided to go off to uh, TCU. You got your, I guess, a degree in finance there, if I'd done my homework correctly. And now you come out of there in, what was the landscape like then? I know, what, mid-70s, it wasn't exactly an easy go in Texas, was it? Well, obviously, Texas has grown a lot, and there was an entrepreneurial spirit. When I went to TCU, one thing I learned as a child is my dad was a doctor. He had a practice. He had personal relationships with his patients. And other of my friends' parents worked for these chemical concerns. And 
I knew that I didn't want to go to work in a petrochemical type plant. That was not what was in the offing for me. And it was certainly not my goal and objectives at that time. At an early age, I knew that I wanted to more or less have my own business and make deals for a living. And that's what I pursued. Yeah, you sure did. I want to talk about uh, capital title and, and what's going on all over the country now. But uh, before we do that, talk about getting into that business, because I know you got your law degree and you were practicing law, but I think you saw a tremendous opportunity to uh, you know put that to work in real estate, right? Yes, I did. I had friends in the mid-80s. Well, we were in boom times here in Texas, and some of my friends were leaving the practice of law, which I initially considered to be like heresy. It was like, you cannot do that. But they did, and fortunately or unfortunately, they reported they were having a whole lot more fun and making more money than I was making real estate deals. And just about that time, I asked to be a partner, and they said yes. I thought, wow. And then I had to buy into the firm over a period of years. My brother called, who was a very successful builder in the, in, in the northern part of the city in the growth area, and offered me a job. And uh, it just sounded great. I was going to be the development arm of his building operation. And I thought about it. And I thought, well, I know one thing. I really love my brother. And I like hanging out with him. And uh I knew I'd have a good time. So I said, yes, actually, I might come back to a downtown law firm, but I would come back to it. At least I was going to try it. I, I came to one really important decision, and that is I found out that I would rather, I wanted to make a deal, not document a deal of somebody else's. Well, you've done a lot of deals, and there's lots to talk about there. So that that is, I guess, Shattuck development, right? So you've got that going. And then when did you decide to augment that with the title industry? I know you've got a mortgage operation. You know, talk us through that period of expansion, you know, the business with the other business. Well, the development business is actually a business that the development business has been called a series of deals, meaning you do deals. And frankly, I think the late 80s in Texas was a more difficult proposition in terms of not time to make a new deal. And I had friends that I knew had become fee attorneys. And I went and talked to a guy named Billy Vaughn, and he agreed to make me a fee attorney. And, uh, and I took him up on it. And initially, the idea was to try to close some of the business that we had internally in our family. And it kind of grew from there. And I later had an interest in the mortgage business because it was an allied and it was actually a customer for a title company. So I started a mortgage company in 87. I started the title operation as a one person fee attorney. And in about 92, I added a company called Willowbend Mortgage. And, you know, I love to make deals. I, I will admit that. So if there's a deal. I'm excited about it. Let's talk about it. I got time this afternoon. <laughs> well, you've made quite a few deals since then. Obviously, the early 1990s, you've seen the uh, the business uh, grow exponentially, obviously. And then you've been on uh, quite an acquisition spree here in the past year or so. We'll talk about that, too. But uh, 
Yeah, talk about building that company. How did you build it? What What is different about what you're doing in your companies versus, say, others, competitors? Well, I mentioned that we're based on a strong set of values and ideals, which are on our computer. We don't, we are not corporate or we try not to be corporate. This is a business family. We believe that ultimately people are more important than corporate profits or the ego of our corporate leaderships. We follow a servant leadership approach to management where our leadership is in constant service to our team rather than a more top-down type organization, which I witnessed in the market. And we try to empower our people to be entrepreneurial versus get them to follow the company line. Um, If you know a better way to do it, I want to hear all about it. And some of those are part of the values that we operate the business by. And they've held me in good stead over the years and created a people around here just grow. It's it's understood when you get here. Yeah. And this day and age, that's uh, certainly a different way of doing business. And talk about what that means. You're not necessarily handing the keys over. Right. But I mean, you're, you're empowering people uh, to grow. Right. And to bring ideas to the table rather than, you know, placing that all on a management team. Right. Well, Peter Drucker, the famous business author, said that culture uh, eats strategy for breakfast. He said, he further said that a powerful and empowering uh, culture is a sure way towards company success. I read that as a student at uh, in management, and I would say that we are distinctively different in that creating excellence is a major point with us, but creating a strong culture is certainly right there with it. And that's how we are different. Now, how do you duplicate that when you're making acquisitions? I mean, how much of what you're looking at in a company that you're acquiring, can you see that DNA or is it something that you can overlay into a company? How do you uh, duplicate that? Well, over the years, what I've done, and my job, obviously, I think we have something like 1,500 team members now. I can't be there every day as I once was, Brian. But one thing I do is I'm very active in terms of the people that we recruit in leadership positions, and I'm looking for certain things in those people. And I know what I'm looking for, and as I go out and meet and engage people, I try to bring those types of individuals into this company where they feel very comfortable. It's good culture. There was once said a strong culture does two things and a strong corporate motto or statement. It said it does two things. One is it draws people to an organization. And then here's the kind of tricky part, which I love other people are detracted from that company because of that strong statement. So, for example, a good old top-down person looking for the next company and people and group that he's going to run would not make a good fit at uh, in our organization. I'm looking for deal makers and people that uh, want freedom to create opportunities for themselves 
and for the company generally. That's who I'm looking for. And you certainly found that. You acquired Ascendant Title in Colorado, pretty big operation, 36 states there. You got uh, U.S. Title, Next Title in California. Uh, I know you've moved into Washington State as well. Don't forget Landmark in Phoenix. That's a good company. Exactly. Th- them too. And you keep those names though, right? I mean, you you know, you insert yourself into those companies and those markets, but you keep the local flavor, right? Yes. I would say, yes, we do. I haven't seen a need. We operate under the brand of Shattuck National Title, but within that general holding company are these companies. We have not sought to change their names. And frankly, they might compete with one another. Uh, there is some overlap, which is fine with me. I'd welcome any of them to come to Texas. Yeah, it's a great business model. Obviously, you've had success there, and we've had this transformational year here due to COVID. Here you are acquiring companies, right? And why did you make the move this year in the midst of a global pandemic to grow the company? Well, first of all, we've been growing. We have almost 100 offices here in Texas. Uh, One was just we ran out of places to go, and we sort of had this team. But, I mean, there's only so many places to go. And so we... We brought in a team that had the national scope and experience and relationships to help extend the company outside the Southwest. And we are taking advantage of, of those relationships with our new team members. And we're taking advantage of them. Yeah, you certainly are. It just seems like um, this model, you know, from a a national standpoint. I know you you know, you love doing deals and there's plenty of deals out there. Largest independent agency underwriter in the country, if I'm not mistaken. So are you can you know, looking at continuing this beyond uh, the current expansion? Is this a long term vision or are you taking it kind of deal by deal as they come along? Well I think the answer is all of those answers. Number one is in the way that I do business, I do business based on relationships. I like people. I would like to think that people like me. Uh, I build relationships with people, and they transport me to opportunity. I try to identify the opportunity. It's pretty streamlined around here. I like the deal we do it. And so as I continue with our team, and I want to say I'm not the only person involved in making these deals. In fact, outside of Texas, I'm not the primary person making the deals But as we extend our relationships out there, uh, there are deals and we try to identify them and we say we're going to do them. But we do everyone on a deal by deal basis. And I have no preset. We're not going somewhere just because we want to go there. Yeah, we go where we're led and we have opportunities. For example, let's just say. Idaho, I don't know, Idaho, uh, or we'll say Alabama or Tennessee. I have no specific objective to be in any particular market with any particular time. We just take advantage of the opportunities presented as they're presented to us. But we do plan to establish a nationwide network over time to include the major markets. Well, so far, so good. And in your home market, Dallas, uh, I mean, the incredible growth uh, in, in the northern 
uh, neighborhoods you're you've been in for gosh you know 30 40 years i mean it's been incredible to see what's happened in uh, the dallas market all by itself hasn't it well yes i told my kids who are now in the business i said this has been going on since before i got in the business you basically have a warmer climate you have no income tax no right to work it's it's a right to work state and you have a central time zone. In fact, it's so convenient here that as a as a lawyer, I used to represent companies out of Toronto or California who would meet in Dallas and represent them in matters because it was the only place that all of the parties could fly into and get back home that night. Does that sound crazy? It had nothing to do with the litigation or the matter other than it was just a spot on a map where everybody could get there, do their business, and be home that night. So uh, its geography, is it's well located in the central time zone. And things here have just been growing forever, and they're going to continue, in my opinion. We're drawing people significant numbers. We're creating, I think, about 125,000 jobs a year, which seems like a lot to me. Well, Bill, congratulations on the success. Continued success to you and your team, and we appreciate you joining us. Well, Brian, I've really enjoyed it. I understand that I'm going to be on the uh, Fidelity Family Network, and I want to extend my best regards to the teams. Certainly, I have a highest degree of respect for the Fidelity National family. I have a lot of respect for what Bill Foley's been able to accomplish in his career. And uh, frankly, it's exemplary, and it's an example that I hope to emulate over time uh, with our operation here in Texas. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.